This episode is brought to you by R1RCM, a leading provider of technology-driven solutions that transform the financial performance of hospitals, health systems, and medical groups. R1 delivers proven, scalable operating models that power sustainable improvements to net patient revenue while reducing operating costs. To learn how you can build a future-ready revenue cycle today, visit us at www.r1rcm.com beckers. Hello, and welcome to the Beckers Hospital Review Podcast. My name is Will Riley from R1RCM. Joining me today in the podcast studio is Judy Leach. Judy is president of Adventist Health's Mendocino Coast region. Judy, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Judy, please uh, introduce yourself so we can get to know you. Absolutely. What a joy to have a conversation with you in regards to what it feels like to be in healthcare at a time such as this a time where transformations are happening every single day in the lives of the communities we serve. I've had the pleasure of serving in healthcare for more than 25 years, hospitals of all shapes and sizes, and currently have the pleasure of working in a rural community in Northern California. In fact, we're the only hospital on the Northern California coast between the Oregon border and San Francisco. We serve about 20,000 lives in our primary service area, and we are transforming the way healthcare is delivered through access to care. That's great, Judy. I'm looking forward to finding out much more about the community that you serve and how you do it. In fact, let's start there. Can you tell us a little bit about the Mendocino Coast area? Oh, what a glorious place. The Mendocino Coast is this portion of Northern California. It's rather remote. we call it living on the edge of the world. It is where the ocean, the redwoods, the vineyards all converge together. It's a magical place, but it is quite remote and you have to be rather intentional about wanting to get there. What kinds of people do get there? The Mendocino Coast has been known to be a large fishing community and in the past, a large center for logging. The environment and uh, economics have changed that, but it is now a place of second and third homes for many people from the Bay Area. It also happens to be a place for second and third generations who have called the Mendocino Coast home. It is a location for, I would say over 60% um, our Medicare age population. And it's a location that people seek knowing that cost of living is substantially higher than many places in the nation, and also access to that which you and I might take for granted on any given day would be more challenging. For example, the nearest Walgreens is about an hour and a half away. If I needed to get to Costco, just plan on doing a very uh, tumultuous mountain road filled with hairpins for about an hour and a half. It is a place where we love to work, play, and live, but we're very intentional about the resources that we need in a rural community. Tell us a bit then about healthcare, how healthcare has traditionally been accessed in a community such as that. 
I have the pleasure of working in a hospital that has been part of that community for more than 50 years. It is a hospital that had been owned by the district. And the Mendocino Coast District found itself in need of having an organization come in that understood how to run hospitals and how to deliver care. They were looking for an organization that was interested in whole person care and in the well-being and addressing social determinants of health. So Adventist Health was asked to come into that community and deliver on a promise of increasing access to care. All of this happened just as the pandemic began. So when we began this lease with that community, it was a promise. It wasn't a contract. It was a promise. Little did we know we would be doing that just as the pandemic hit. So for the last three and a half years, it has been our privilege and our honor to be able to serve that community. If we hadn't, chances are that community would not have had a hospital and clinic spaces available to them. And we know if that would have been the case, that community would have likely had to roll up its sidewalks and have a very challenging time in addition to grappling with the pandemic. I, I can imagine that when a, uh, a large regional brand like Adventist uh, arrives in a community like that, there may be some uh, negative reaction as well from the community, right? The, the, the healthcare system, though flawed, known and loved locally, can you tell me about that and how you worked through any of those challenges, if indeed they did exist? Education is powerful and telling the story is riveting. So to be able to explain to a community, a coastal community, that having a health system there rather than having a standalone organization helps provide a host of resources that a standalone critical access frontier hospital could not have had. It's really quite an honor and a privilege to be able to tell that story. In fact, during the pandemic, for a health system to come in with all of the resources necessary to do that. But we've also had to grapple with what that felt like when it comes to our human resources, right? 4.4 million people across this country left the healthcare profession during the pandemic. It impacted everybody, hospitals of all shapes and sizes, but it particularly impacted rural communities. And so that impact meant that we had to build our, our workforce based on relationships. This was not about a transactional aspect of care. It was about a relational aspect that we had to create in order to bring people all the way out to this very remote part of the country. What it helped our communities understand was that regardless of who might have had their brand on that work, at the end of the day, it was about the relationship. And with Adventist Health, our brand promise is to inspire health, wholeness, and hope. And what a honor to get to do that. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Let, let's let's talk a little bit about um, changing patient expectations um, as and and how you've risen to to meet those. We know that patients um, 
wants for healthcare, the healthcare experience have shifted. They generally are looking for a more technologically based experience, right? They want to use technology. I'm very keen to get your take on that and how that has impacted your workforce as well locally, the introduction of new technologies into the patient experience. In critical access hospitals, we are learning that there is this fabulous opportunity to rely heavily on telemedicine. And what that does, once again, in increasing that access to care for patients every day. I also have to balance that with when you are in the region that we reside, we have pockets of space that don't have access to internet services. And so to understand it's not an either or, the conversation is about an and opportunity. And as we look at how do you use technology to um, create appointments for patients, how do you use technology to receive timely feedback from our communities? The ability to use technology in new ways that this rural hospital never has before to be a connector and a conduit of conversation, that's really where we see this opportunity. And for example, if I'm looking at telemedicine, I now have access to physicians all over this nation who can now serve my rural community. They realize that that might not be a place that they can move to. However, to be able to be accessible to us um, on a number of issues, that really is what creating uh, continuum of care is all about. Are there other aspects of the patient experience in addition to telemedicine that you feel your community has warmed to from a technology perspective or that they particularly want or care about? We are still building that road and that pathway and back to the education process. So to be able to educate the community that this is something that can be embraced rather than to be fearful of it, healthcare will always be a relational delivery service. We will always need providers to lay hands on patients. However, there are certain aspects of healthcare that we know that technology can help us advance to have timely access to care. And so this is not only about aspects of greater um, pathways, but it is the timely access to that care. And so at this point, having those access points of providers who are at the top of their game, who have a passion for clinical excellence, but also have a passion for looking at how they can meet rural communities. Um, I, I'm so grateful mm -hmm. for what telemedicine is providing us. Mm -hmm. And now to be able to have those um, pads that we give to a patient in their home and say, we're looking forward to having a conversation with you. By the way, we can fit you in for a, an appointment tomorrow at two o'clock rather than saying, we've got to wait four more weeks to get you in. Yeah. It's life-changing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Technology is not the only thing that's been changing over the last few years. Um, reimbursement models have also been shifting and changing. How are changing reimbursement models like capitated care and so on impacting communities like the one that you serve? 
Absolutely. We are in a capitated environment in Northern California, which means there are tremendous incentives for people to always be doing the right thing. At the end of the day, this is about let's make sure that patients in our communities have the right type of care and the right conversations. And so capitated care is all about keeping our communities well. Uh, back to our relationships in whole person care and the social determinants of health conversations and population health conversations that drive our decisions. So to be able to work in an environment where every appointment that is generated in a clinic is not just about episodic care, but it's thinking about what is the right thing for the individual in front of us to make sure that they and their families are well supported in their well-being journey. Yeah. You mentioned social determinants of health. Perhaps we could end with a question. Maybe you could give me a couple of examples of, of how you're serving the most vulnerable populations in your community. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your safety net strategies and how you're delivering on those? Yes. Um, those safety net strategies are so important, especially in rural communities. In our county, for example, we have three hospitals, um, but the geographic disbursement of people in such a, um, a dense environment means that we've got to think about how do you meet the patient where they are? And it begins with a lot of listening. It begins with having roundtable conversations with the communities that we serve and saying, what is our greatest need? For example, at our hospital, we do a community roundtable on a regular basis. The mayor is there. The police chief is there. We have the school superintendent at the table. Local clergy are part of it. Um, local businesses. We have a great uh, determination of making sure that we have a nice spread of ages and genders to have a voice at the table. It's only by that relational listening that we can truly address social determinants of health. Uh, we have identified three of those in our community, and those include access to care. It includes the um, financial stability of those that, that we serve, and it includes uh, behavioral health and high risk behaviors. And so those are the three areas that we know uh, our community wants the greatest help with. Got it. Judy, this has been lovely and it's been terrific to hear about what you're doing in such a remarkable setting. So I really appreciate you. We really appreciate you sharing today. Thank you so much. Thank you.